Welcome to episode 165 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. I was at an opening just last week of a show, and we'll be hearing that episode coming up. But this is not about the show. This is about the thing that happens afterwards. And if you've been to an opening, you know it well. It's the opening night reception. And I don't know about you, but... I'm never really comfortable in those situations. I'm an introvert and going to an event like that, which is really sort of a networking or a schmooze event where, um, you know, you, you congratulate people, but mostly you're talking to people, making connections, that sort of thing. That's what it feels like. And I'm terrible at parties anyway. So because of, you know, being an introvert. And so I was thinking about about that. And I can't be the only person who, when the show ends on the opening night, you find a reason to make a beeline for your coat and get out, rather than going to the social event, the networking, the the reception afterwards. Now, I don't know if you know this, but um, I have another uh, podcast with my friend Jess McCauley, and it's... A, pro, uh, a podcast for introverts by introverts and it's called the introverts guide Two. and every couple of weeks we tackle a new epi- a new a new issue that is of interest to introverts well i mean us but we hope other introverts and we try to come up with solutions and things that actually work so i was thinking about the reception and and that sort of thing and the 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 the, the party the schmooze fest and I was thinking about maybe doing an episode that combines those two things. So I want to talk about theater specifically, and I want to talk about uh, going to events like that as an introvert. And maybe somehow try to find some some tips, tricks, and uh, ideas for you know myself, but for other people who uh, may have difficulty at those events who, like me, find any excuse not to go to them and and so you can look for that as i as i try to I'm just sort of it's in the early stages but you can look for that I, I like to move quickly on these things so you can look for that uh in the next few weeks i would say i'll just throw it out there it'll happen in the next few weeks and if you if you have thoughts about that if you if you are interested in hearing about that uh remember you can drop me a line at uh, uh on on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at stageworthypod you can find the website where you can also leave comments and send messages at stageworthypodcast.com and you know if you want to drop me a line directly you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby and my website is philrickaby.com and you know what if you like the podcast I hope that you will leave a comment or rating on Apple Podcasts Google Music or wherever you get your podcasts because you, your ratings and comments do help new people find the show. I, or, or, or you know what, I say this all the time, but it's true. Even better, if you know somebody that you think will like the show, just tell them about it because, you know, some of my favorite podcasts, and you know what, I bet some of your favorite podcasts became your favorites because somebody you knew told you about them. My guest is Justine Christensen, who stars in Scrap Paper Theater's production of Cannibal, which is on now until Sunday, January 20th, as part of the 2019 edition of the Next Stage Festival in Toronto.
when you said that you've been working on it for a while, but how long? I think we started, we started very, we eased in. We okay. started in October though. Very, oh, okay. very gradually. Yes. Did you, like, when you started working on it, did you already know that you were in? I guess they announced the next stage in the summer, right? Um, or it, early fall? I can't remember the timeline, but it was fall. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm, yeah. I'm told that you, you've been involved with it from, like, the while. beginning. Yeah. So, so what's, first off, what, why don't you start by telling me about Cannibal? Yeah. Um, it was, well, I have been involved with it for a while because mm-hmm. my, my, my friend wrote it. Okay. Tom is, like, a friend of mine from theater school. And we're still pretty new out of theater school. So um, I, I got good luck with the Fringe and uh, um, have been involved in the Fringe since I graduated. Oh. Two summers in a row. And what, then, what shows have you done? They were shows that I wrote. Okay. Yeah. Um, they were two adaptations, actually, because another friend of mine from theater school, Patrick, mm-hmm. Patrick and I um, decided to, we wanted to produce together. Okay. Awesome. So we did that two summers in a row. And then Tom was also involved in the Fringe show, and mm-hmm. which is why he could apply to Next Stage. Mm-hmm. And um, Tom and I were always both writing plays mm-hmm. while we were in school, and then and then sub- subsequent to being yeah. uh, graduated, and uh, yeah, well, uh, he was working on one, and he would show me drafts of it, and then yeah. then he went, then he said he would apply to next stage, and he did, and he got in. Mm, nice, nice. That was yeah. like that was very exciting. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what you you mentioned theater school? Mm-hmm. What what was your what was your theater school? Uh, George Brown. George Brown? Yes. Me too. Very, really? A very long time ago. Oh, wow. A very long time ago. Uh-huh. Uh, back in the, the River Street mm-hmm. days. The building is no longer there, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard about it, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure the people still hear about that building. Yeah. Just, you know, but it was like, yeah. kind of shocking. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was... The building was... I mean... Yeah. It was, it was something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and how long ago did you graduate from theater school? That was just... Uh, just going to be two years ago in, uh, in April. Does it feel like a long time ago? It feels like a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. It goes probably pretty, it goes like looking back, it's like, wow, was I? Yeah. 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 And having, um, this kind of career, it's like yeah. your, your life gets split up into projects you work on and, and almost chapters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it feels like a few chapters have gone by since, yeah. um, since graduating. Yes. Now, were you working? It was Patrick who wrote it. Yes. Uh, well, Pat, that was yeah. No, I wrote. So Patrick and I, we still produce together. Mm-hmm. We have Let Me In as our company. Right, right. Yes. And um, uh, we're going to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. The plays that we produced were written by me, mm-hmm. and he directs them. Okay. Yeah. And Cannibal was written by Tom. Tom. Yeah. So not Patrick. No. Um, but you, you and Patrick were like. Um, how did you find yourselves as writing as creative partners at theater school? That happened because there. I don't know if you did this project, the Vocal Mask project. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Did so you, did you guys team up in second year? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. we always we always had an inclination. We we seemed to be interested in the same things. Mm-hmm. He Patrick would push back against um, things that were happening in the school more than anyone I think in the okay. class, and okay. that is very much like my spirit as well. Even yeah. though people don't always know it about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, we wanted to be subversive with as much as we could with this project. And the two of us did, we did a project on vampire, our mm-hmm. project on vampires. Mm-hmm. We were using vampirism as a metaphor and also just literally about vampires. Sure. Cause yeah. that's pretty interesting. And, uh, that's how let me in became our name. Okay. okay the yeah. idea of having to be let in somewhere kept yes. coming up yeah. and we thought that was, um, we liked that for a theater company name. Cause it doesn't really sound like a theater company name. Yeah. And yeah. also because, uh, our goal is to make accessible theater, meaning theater that, uh, people who don't usually see theater would would enjoy. Well, that's I mean that's that's the trick, isn't yeah. it? Like, how do you get an audience in? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what was your first like? What when you first were exposed to uh, the play Cannibal? Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your reaction to it? 
I I was curious about how what Bridget would look like mm-hmm. in particular. Okay. Um, I guess I always had a lens on her before I knew I would play her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought there have been a few. I th- I'm thinking of a few different kind of. There's this thriller women in the lead of these like thriller genre films and yeah. plays right now and, it's, yeah. and it sort of feels like it's in that sort of umbrella the play yeah where um we're um i trying to look at women in a more nuanced way and mm-hmm. um i was curious about what she would look like and behave like mm-hmm. uh also i think this play will appeal to people who who aren't used to seeing mm-hmm. in terms of, of the vernacular tom's dialogue is very uh clever and mm-hmm. it moves very fast okay. i think like film audiences will like it sure yeah um when you say that that um you weren't sure how bridget would look mm-hmm. um what was what can what, like what was she like in the early draft that she's not like like how has she changed over time i think tom hasn't shied away from from ugly moments people mm. saying people saying ugly things to each other uh, mm. when they're very bound to each other. Mm. Bridget and, and Liza, who is her best friend in the play, and they're they're basically their only family to each other because they met at 13 and and they were both orphans at the mm. time. So yeah. um, they're completely dependent on each other and also have a lot of anger towards each other. And the oh, reasons really? for that mm. become obvious throughout the play, mm. especially uh, Bridget to Liza. There's a lot of uh, resentment and it really so it really it's this fam in a way like a family drama between them and then the other um the men in their lives who are involved in this play but um the the circumstances are are not what you expect mm. but the play is about and what, what can you can you like what is what is the play about well can when i a little bit about when that? i describe it to people i usually start by saying uh, bridget who mm-hmm. i'm playing um has written a play about uh her son who was uh, kidnapped 4 years prior so she's written a play to deal with it. That's her way of mm-hmm. dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And um, the play starts just before her her ex husband comes back and confronts her and kind of says, "What the fuck? Why the why the fuck would you write this mm-hmm. about about our son?" Yeah. So it becomes obvious that they dealt with the grief of that in very different ways and, mm-hmm. and split up and all that. And um, at the time, Liza's still very Liza's being Bridget's best friend and and also her agent actually, um, oh. who like got this play up and running because Bridget was an author before mm-hmm. that. Um, she, uh, she's still around and, uh, Bridget is also seeing, uh, someone who's an actor in her play, Wyatt. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty, they're, they're like, it's quite close quarters, complicated dynamics. Right. And the, the play all happens in Bridget's apartment. Okay. So it's kind of, we, we kind of call it Greek in the way that a lot of the, the events of the play happened already or happen offstage or Mm. are going to happen. Right. But we see the, uh aftermath right in the apartment mm-hmm. um is that is that is that difficult since everything is happening over there and now we're just reacting to it yes. does that take away some of the it feels like that would take away some of the active quality to it but uh-huh how do you feel like does it or, or how I, do you feel I've about been that thinking about that sometimes yes i go oh i would love to see what this what we're talking about i would love mm-hmm. to see that on the yeah. stage but at the same time, I'm really interested in what happens between people. That mm-hmm. when I write too, it's it's all about um, situations between people, relationship, as opposed yeah. to crazy shit happening. Yeah. So, now, have you always written? Always written? Yeah. Do you remember mm-hmm. what when you? Do you remember a time when you started writing? Oh, that's a great question. I I would I started journaling when I was probably eight, mm-hmm. and then 
I remember I took a bit of a hiatus because I was terrified people would see what I wrote. It was a combination of, of like, Dear Diary and, mm. and just fiction. Sure. And then when I was in grade eight, I remember getting really angry sometime, and I just pulled a notebook and started writing. And since then, mm. I've been writing. I would write, again, sometimes it's journalistic, yeah. recording something that's that seems important, or it'll be fiction right away. When did you start writing plays? When I was 15. Okay. And then since I've been 15, I've written at least one play a year. Okay. Um, what was it that drove you to write a play? I, I was actually in an arts program in high school. I was very fortunate. I I studied, Mm -hmm. like, I've been studying theater since I was 14, Mm -hmm. uh, in one institution or another. That was, that was high school, but still very special Mm -hmm. uh, program. And yeah, I started writing a play, a play when I was 15 Mm. for a class actually. And then, um, yep. I just had, I just, I love that form. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, had you, I mean, had you seen a lot of plays before that? Not or? really. No? Okay. No one mm. in my family is in the theater at all. We saw mm. a few musicals when I was a kid. Mm. And it was in high school that I started seeing theater. And my teachers were really into absurdist stuff. Okay. And um, Albie, Ionesco. So yeah. that was my first exposure to theater, not not musical theater. Right. And I just thought, oh, my God. Like, that, at 15, you're, you're starting to have existential ideas. Oh, sure, and yeah. It was just perfect. Yeah. Just really latched onto that. So how did somebody who wasn't exposed to a lot of theater end up as an actor? I think because it was sort of pure. No one ever – it was – writing was always kind of my escape. Mm-hmm. And more than writing, like, playing pretend. I was always the kid that was like, let's play Harry Potter again. Like, right. let's let's put on this – I, I was the kid who never wanted to stop playing pretend. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And that was, it was always an inclination. Mm. I, I'm fairly, I, I can be very introverted yeah. as well. So it wasn't obvious for a while. Even though I was in the uh, arts high school mm-hmm. program, I still, my family's very science based. It was always, you know, we're going to go into something much more practical mm. than that. But uh, it never went away. It really was it is. difficult to convince them that you were serious about not going into something more quote unquote practical? Yeah. And then at some point, I was I went to university for a year, and uh, I was just doing theater on the side all the time. And I went, uh, I I had enough confidence in myself yeah. that it was my strongest inc- inclination. Yeah. That I I thought, okay, I'm just going to go for it. Was that a difficult conversation with your family? It was kind of awkward. Yeah, yeah, I was shy about it. I okay. think I tried to do it a few times in a few different different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but eventually, now I mean, they love seeing the things I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it is sort of my own thing still. Yeah. So that, I think that's why, uh, yeah, it's very, it's very, it's precious. And now I'm enjoying, since I've been out of school, looking at it more like a job too, yeah. being more practical about it. Yeah. Do you remember what it was that drew you to theater in the first place? Like what, did you do a play in school? Did you, like, how did you end up yeah. knowing that it, it was a thing? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, it was, it was in grade three. My teacher would, uh, uh, do improv with us as a okay. reward. We mm-hmm. had like it, we did like improv team stuff, and now I'm I want to get more into improv because mm-hmm. I haven't done it for a while. But I just again was like, let's never stop doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, just making people laugh too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at a certain point, you like when did it become apparent to you that this is what you had to do? Was it in university, or was it was there anything before that that made you? you think that it was something you had to do? I think in high school, the seed was planted at some yeah. point. In grade 11 in particular, I had I had an English teacher who was who changed my life mm-hmm. and a drama teacher who also changed my life. And at one point, he told me, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to you, you're gonna be in theater for your whole life. Yeah. Hmm. And I didn't do it because of him, but it was yeah. like he he made, he published it in me. Yeah. Where, did, where did you grow up? 
in Toronto. In Toronto. In, so in North you're York. In Toronto. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you? Because you know when I was in theater school, or sorry, but when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and um, it came time for you know to sit with the guidance counselor, and the guidance counselor would try to help you figure out what it is that you wanted to do, and I said that I wanted to go into theater. Hmm. They didn't know what to do with that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. There was a long, a long silence where their lips got really thin, and they were like, "Oh, I don't know what they're doing." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was sort of. Uh, they were sort of like left on their own because it was, uh, or I was left on my own because they had no resources for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like you had a lot of support in high school to get there. Mm-hmm. I was in this arts program, yes. Yeah. Funny enough, I don't think really anyone from my class went into arts except one other one other guy. He's he's still an actor. Mm. Um, I, it was a very academic school, other than the arts program. Okay. So a lot of people ended up going. They're law- they're going to become lawyers now, or right, right. Um, mm. So, and even when I was in high school with my guidance counselor, I was, I was going to university. I never, I was careful with who I told oh, that yes. that was my dream too. Okay. But I, I think there was always a belief that I would, I would get there one way or another. Were you, were you careful because you're worried about who might get back to your parents about it or? And, and just in terms of like, uh, raining on my parade, you mm, know? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm pretty, I can be pretty, uh, quietly determined about mm-hmm. things yeah mm-hmm. you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, uh being a little bit introverted which i don't think i th- it's common in performers mm-hmm. but it's not what people think of about performers yeah everybody thinks that that performers are going to be outgoing and extroverted and, yeah. and i don't think i've really met any of those yeah um yeah did you ever did you ever try to fight being an introvert and just and sort of like as though that was like the wrong thing to be. Yeah, and even even now in a rehearsal process, when I start to feel shy or just like I can't talk to anyone mm. after or before, sort of, I I I can be hard on myself about it. And yeah. Go. Are you even? You know, like, what are you? Are you an actor? Yeah. Like, but when I'm doing it, it feels right and I love it, and it it just can be really. Uh, I think it's just the vulnerability of it. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always find like rehearsal is fine. It's socializing after that I'm where I'm just done. Yeah, yeah. same. Yeah. yeah. Um, or if I go to an opening night. Oh my god! Like, yes, yes. Oh wow! All of, that, all of that stuff is like. Yeah. If I stay, I feel like I'm I'm just um, standing at a table, sort of doing like the the nod, you yes. know, the awkward nod, where yes, yes, I'm agreeing with whatever that person mm. is saying, or and I never know. How to deal. So I often just, like, if I go to an opening, show ends. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I totally get it. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's hard. It, yeah. It feels like, yep. It feels like it's almost, it's not for you to be there anymore. Uh, like, if yeah. being on stage or being the writer, I don't, I don't even want anyone to think about me. They can have their own experience of the, the thing and carry yeah. it out with them, but it's not. Yeah. It's a little bit easier if you're the writer in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're just, like, an audience member or media or whatever, and you're there, if you're just sort of peripheral Oof. to the show, that's even yeah. worse. But it's hard being an introvert and actually, like, accepting compliments yeah. or comments. Which is, I don't I don't understand what that is. Yeah, I know. But sometimes it's just not mortifying, but, uh, no, not mortifying. No. Of course, it's it's beautiful when people want to tell you that yeah. they were enjoying, like, that's also part of the whole thing, the yeah. exchange, but... Sometimes uh, I just like people to have their own experience. Like, I don't know. There's something about it. I actually, I I don't know what it is. I think it might just be because after a show, you're pretty open. 
Yeah. Especially if you've you've been performing, you're kind of open. So all of those receptors are really sensitive to all the things around you. And I think there's like, when people start complimenting you, you're like, okay. So this is the first of a bunch of people who may, who may speak to me this evening. And it starts to get really, really trying. Right. I had, I practiced saying thank you at one point. (sighs) Yep. So that it was genuine. Like I practiced saying a genuine thank you Mm -hmm. after. Um, because I felt like I was like totally awkward and sounding disingenuous when people would 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 talk about the show after. Mm-hmm. Did you ever do anything like that? Yeah, like I, <coughs> I think the situation for me is that I feel like I'm not. They're gonna say they say something beautiful, and mm. I love this about it. I, I I feel like I need to give them as much back, you know. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. you're still trying to be a, a good scene partner or yeah. something. Even though, so just to say thank you doesn't always feel like enough but that's really all you have to say that is all you have to say but there's like there's a certain awkwardness that that where you almost try to engage in the wrong way where you're like yes it was beautiful no it was it was of course no it was a very difficult scene to it was very um Uh you know you start running off like that so yeah i was doing a lot of that early on Mm -hmm. until i think i i don't even know how i how it came about but i just started like practicing this does this thank you sound genuine? Mm-hmm. And thank that you. just became my my go to <laughs> like sound. And if anybody's like sees me after a show and hears it a few times, they'll know that oh, that's the rehearsed one. Mm-hmm. It's all I can do. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Totally. Because you're open. Yeah. It, that vulnerability, dipping in and out of that in the rehearsal and the show, that that is the that is the. I think I'm discovering that that's the big thing to learn for yourself as yeah. as a performer. I do feel like it's one thing to do in a rehearsal hall. Because mm-hmm. that's a safe space and everybody's there together and it's okay to fail and it's okay for for to experiment and it's like it's a safe space. It's another thing when it's the people who are not in the show. Because they weren't there on that journey. They're not quite as safe as the people in the rehearsal hall. Mm-hmm. Um, audiences are people you don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. Did you, I mean, having done, you've done two fringes so yes. far? Yes. Um, how do you navigate the fringe tent? Or oh, do you? great question. The first summer, oh, it was so much fun. Uh, I knew a whole bunch of people who were in the fringe, mm-hmm. so I would go there and see someone I knew. Um, oh, yeah, it was great. For some reason, yeah, no, that, it felt really comfortable yeah? that okay. time. Um, mm. I think the, like the, the weather also that summer was really great. There were so many of these <laughs> sunny days, and it just, people were just in a great mood Mm -hmm. and then the uh fringe time last year i didn't end up going a lot um i was just the writer on the play last year Mm -hmm. the summer before i had been a performer so i I just uh felt even more involved uh yeah in terms of navigating it sometimes i go in and uh if it was after a show i would just not even look around very much sort of like get the drink find Mm -hmm. a spot and then see see if someone like if someone wants to talk and comes up that's great but Sometimes I, oh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm the person who goes to the, it's like, uh, the way I am at a party, I like go and I'll s- sort of sit in a corner or something yeah. and mm-hmm. and sort of like look at people. Because, you know, I don't mind if somebody comes over, yes. but it's that, like, yeah. I can't get up and talk to them. That engaging. And then when you catch someone's yeah. eye from like way across the thing and there's a sort of, what are we going to, who's going to yeah, move? Gonna, and, you going to come over here? Because yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like stuck yeah. here, you know? Yeah. What I do is I find a nice, a spot, like it matters to me where I'm sitting, you mm-hmm. know? Like yeah. probably close to a wall, somewhat yeah. close to a wall. And uh, somewhere, somewhere with, um, yeah, and then and then just see see what happens. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's certainly good to have a. It's only really terrible if you can't find a seat. Yeah. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. And then you're standing awkwardly instead of... You can sort of like sit awkwardly and nobody really notices, mm-hmm. but standing awkwardly is a particular thing. Yes. Yep. Did you ever think of... like? Did you ever think of your introversion as a barrier to the to this career? Just because sometimes it can lead to like in, inward negativity. If it, mm-hmm. there's like a bit of a, a balance, it can, yeah, yeah. it's nice to be somewhat private and then, but receptive. I think yeah. that's there's a there's a place I find where I, I feel good. But if it can if it dips in towards being self conscious, mm-hmm. then that's no good. Like, what do you do when that happens? Um, I've started to do more meditation practices okay. like that mm. that just put me in my body more That's and good. because i think the negativity would come from a very intellectual place yes yeah. yeah so if you just feel you know that your your heart's beating that you're okay mm-hmm. uh it, that helps actually okay yeah all right that's mm-hmm. good that's good um so coming from a family that is not in the arts mm-hmm. um do you find yourself translating the arts for them a little bit, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And because they've come to plays, they sort of they sort of get it, especially mm-hmm. the fringe infrastructure. Yeah, um, they do. Um, yeah, but sometimes I don't. I don't bring up theater with them. If they okay. ask me something, then great. Mm-hmm. I don't really bring up what I do too mm-hmm. much with my family. I'd be happy if they ask questions, but does that feel weird to you, or is that just because they don't understand it? Yeah, it's not. It's not really weird. Um, now that I'm. I'm out of school and doing more film and TV as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that I get asked more about. Like my parents literally see me on TV in a commercial, and then sure. they they can pass on to their friends and like they know what that you know they know yeah, what that yeah, is. Yeah, like yeah. that's um pretty uh, yeah. Do they ever call you having seen you on on something to to like just let you know that they saw you? Yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. very sweet. Yeah, my my dad sent me a photo of me in a commercial the other day. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> adorable. <laughs> yes, very nice. Um, was when when you. So you went to university. Yes. Oh, did you finish university before Just, going to George Brown, or did you? Did no, you... no. I thought I might. Mm-hmm. I while I was there, I even thought I could stay in the in an academic area. I could, mm-hmm. I could see myself <clears throat> being a professor or something like that. Yeah. I I really had a very strong academic inclination at that mm-hmm. time, and still, um, re- read a lot. Like that is kind of my favorite pastime still. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I was just doing theater on the side all the time, so. When I got into George Brown, I, I decided to go with that. Was there another, any other schools that you looked at, or was it just George Brown? NTS. NTS? That was yeah. the one that... Okay. Yeah, I wanted to go to NTS. <laughs> I really did. For a lot of people, I think it comes down to the two. Yeah. And Ryerson is a big one. Um, I actually didn't I didn't get asked. I didn't even get a call back for Ryerson. Mm. So the, the decision was easy because yeah. uh, I got into Humber as well. But anyway, uh, George Brown, I, I really liked the Young Center. Mm-hmm. I'd gone to... The, actually, in high school, that was where I went to see plays. Okay. Soul Pepper. Yeah. That was my kind of like education in in theater, yeah, seeing yeah. their stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was for, like I I had the choice between Ryerson and George Brown. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I got into into both, and yeah. so it was like, which one do I choose? Yep. And some of the, I, you know, there two of the students who were in second year, I think, at the time, or they had just finished first year. Um, they were talking about about the about the courses, and they they told me that all, like all of the teachers were working actors or were in the theater. And I was like, well, shit, mm. that kind of sold me mm-hmm. on the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something about the George Brown program, uh, someone was telling me that they had this kind of theory about how the George Brown program and even the system of how they let go of people every mm-hmm. semester yeah. makes you really um, opportunistic. 
And uh, I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of George Brown folks do all kinds of be, be actors and, and producers and a whole bunch of things. Yeah. Once they graduate from yeah. that program. Well, it certainly makes you makes you like you have to go after everything. Yeah. Um, I still have mixed feelings about the whole letting people go. For sure. Thing. Yes. Um, like I, I sort of have this idea, like, what is your purpose for letting somebody go? Is it, is it because you don't think they're going to make it? Mm-hmm. If so, how dare you? Yeah. You know, like, are they not gelling with the program? If so, maybe let them self. I think that a lot of people would self self like edit or self like uh, remove themselves given the opportunity rather than being asked to leave but yeah it's disconcerting how subject subjective it is yeah yeah i always found that especially after the so you're in first year and everything's great leading up to that first christmas and then somebody gets cut yep or a few people get cut and Mm -hmm. after that I think a lot of us were just afraid all the time. Yeah. Like, am I going to do the wrong thing? Yep. Yep. I was looking back at some journals from my first year, and I had I had good grades and mm-hmm. uh, felt like I had a pretty good. Uh, yeah. No, I I don't have I didn't have any problems with any of the faculty, but I I was rec- even in my writing I was terrified of getting cut all the time. Yeah. yeah. They really keep they really keep you on edge that way. Yeah. And because you saw people, and some of the people maybe they were you like you don't even know why they were cut. Yep. Um, because you're, and I, I really think that, that being afraid is a bad environment for, um, creativity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and they're telling you, oh, this is where, you know, you're, you're free to fail. And then you're like, but it doesn't look like it, Yeah, you know? And then there's this whole complex you develop where you mm. go, why aren't I freer? What's wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like the air is cold, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I actually spent a good 10 years after theater school and I realized I was still trying to impress my, the head of acting, Uh, you know? Yeah. Um, even though they weren't, they didn't necessarily come to anything. I was like trying to be like, I don't know what I was trying to do, but I was acting as I was still in theater school and Mm. it took a long time to let that go. Mm -hmm. So I guess that, that sort of, sort of shows how deep the theater school complex goes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not far from it at all. Mm. I I find it hard to be objective about theater school and the experiences. Yeah. Um, uh, the other day, people were talking about theater school and their experiences at different places, and I kind of said, "Yeah, I can't even. I haven't even had enough time out to really reflect mm-hmm. on it." It takes fully. a while. Yeah, it takes a while. Um, no, uh, just to get back to to, to Cannibal mm-hmm. for a second, um, when you so you you've seen this like from its earliest drafts, yeah. Um, and when you are. Uh, when you're looking at that, now you're saying that you like you eased into rehearsal. Mm-hmm. How did how did easing into rehearsal look like for this? Well, the play, even from its earliest drafts, uh, a lot of it is fundamentally the same. Okay. There were a few twists and turns in the story that changed. Um, mm-hmm. Tom Tom wasn't sure how he wanted it to end for a while, and and then so in terms of uh, Tom had me read it a few times, so I was already familiar with with. Uh, all the text mm-hmm. uh, I read for both Liza and Bridget in different like early readings that he had just to yeah. hear the play. And then uh, we started, we would have, I think early on in the process, we had one or two rehearsals a week and then mm-hmm. gradually we, we ramped it up. Yeah. We had um, Courtney who's directing it was working on, Oh, so many projects this fall. Oh, I know. She's been everywhere yeah. this year. Yeah. So um, partially it was to give her some breathing room. And then yeah. also Michael who's in the play was uh, working on uh, what I call her. 
at the beginning mm-hmm. at, at Crow's Theater mm-hmm. at the beginning of our process. So both of them had other stuff going on. Um, that was quite mm. uh, like quite involved for them. Yeah. So that was part of the reason too. Mm. But was re- that was really nice also for me because just learning a whole bunch of text. I love to be able to do it over. Like I, I felt very lucky to be able to learn it kind of gradually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, when you, you know, you said you mentioned that you you read both both characters. Yeah. Um, at any point, did you get a, an affinity for Bridget? Like, when did you start to feel like you might want to play Bridget? Yeah. Um, I think Tom had me read for Liza because it was countercasting me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in theater school, and then I just get cast as as like more of a Bridget type a lot, where it's someone who has a lot of external, maybe calm, and a lot of internal mm-hmm. vulnerability and and and, and fire. Mm. Um, and Liza is is more. She's a, a real extrovert, so mm. I think he wanted to see me play that. And then, uh, but then he, he kind of went, oh, but I can't see anyone but you play Bridget. Mm. <laughs> so I ended up reading for Bridget in another version, and he said, he asked me to play her. Had you, had you felt that affinity, or was that something that he was seeing? I, there, are, there are, that's a good question. Um, I think he saw that, and mm. for me, uh, yep, yeah, no, my, my curiosity about, about what, what it would look like to see her her played was mm. also partially me going, how would I play this? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, as you're, as you're starting to delve into this and, and, you know, next stage is, is coming up, uh, pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, as we record this pretty soon, it'll be like on, uh, basically on us when this airs. Yeah. Um, is there, what's your favorite part about this play? Oh, <sighs> I just I just got Liza and Bridget in my head and um yeah finding I I, I didn't know it at first but the last couple of rehearsals the re- their relationship as sisters mm-hmm. is really important in this play and mm-hmm. uh like it kind of there's kind of um a surprising resolution they come to together by the mm-hmm. end of the play that I didn't even know that it was there on the page mm-hmm. but playing it I go oh this is kind of the the love story of the play in a way mm. uh so finding that that was that was pretty that was been pretty beautiful mm. yeah but playing with all the actors that are in in the show yeah. they all have very different energies and uh it's been really really uh satisfying and i've learned a lot mm. acting with all of them mm. nice mm-hmm. um you mentioned like the you know the two the two women in the play how, how they're like sisters mm-hmm. um did you have a sister growing up yeah yeah mm-hmm. um <clears throat> what and your sister but your sister is like in academia science she's a yeah in an environmental studies okay. kind of more more uh, physical uh she, yeah she's she's very cool she does all kinds of stuff did you get along with your your sister already right? yeah. yeah she's a little sister so. oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah were you guys really close yes yeah nice mm-hmm. nice um how did that inform or did that at all inform your relate the way that um, the two women are are, are uh, interacting in this play. This is that's interesting. It, a very different relationship okay, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, I think Liza's younger mm-hmm. in the play as well, but she we we switch roles a lot. Sometimes I almost have a mothering kind of role with mm. her. That's that's a role I take on a bit. Um, best friends, sisters, mm. but Bridget can be really hard on everyone who's mm. around her. Um, mm. Uh, especially, especially Liza, actually, which, uh, you know, that's like, that's in a lot of like classic plays too. Like these, these family dramas where people can be horrible to each other, just yeah. like, you know, in real families too, but mm-hmm. August Osage County and people just like ripping into each other. Sure. Um, 
so they're very very honest with each other in that way okay yeah mm-hmm. um i had a thought and it went away sisters yeah, yeah no. that's the worst. <laughs> um it's it's interesting because um the idea of um writing about a tragedy as a way uh, for catharsis that's not uncommon in mm-hmm. in in this world in both novel and theater that sort of thing um have you ever have you found yourself doing that at all do you put yourself into the things that you write or um is it like only people who really know you if they were to dig through they might find you in it i think some of the earlier stuff i wrote was probably more obviously linked to stuff that was going mm-hmm. on uh because yeah, partially that's always there. Yeah. You're working through something mm-hmm. for me, for me at least. Mm. Um, something even with the adaptations I've written, it's it's something that I go or a few a few elements that I go, what is that? Mm. Like I just need to explore it more, or else I'll get an idea for a character mm-hmm. who's in a, a particular kind of situation, and I go, what is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But usually, it's not really to get somewhere in particular. It's just to represent that situation. Mm. Have you, when you're, when you're exploring that, have you ever been really overt about what the issue is or is it, is it like hidden behind, behind layers? I think it's, I think sometimes I don't, I don't want to, I don't mean to be, you know, mysterious or, or clever (laughs) or no, no, but, um, but I, I like to, I think, I think I look at the world a very, I see a lot of poetry in Mm -hmm. things, Mm -hmm. uh, in little things and little, uh, little moments between people. So that's usually what I use to frame mm. these situations. Mm. Uh, yeah, like there's, I can I can be I can be kind of um, melancholic melancholic about okay. things, but uh, there's so just there's just so much beauty in mm. uh, human interaction, mm-hmm. and mm. I I think I'm fundamentally optimistic about people. Okay, that's good. Um, when like I, I ask because when I wrote. Uh, my my solo play, The Commandment, mm-hmm. I was dealing with like some like serious stuff. So I was like trying for catharsis there. However, it's not written in in like again, people wouldn't know unless they know me uh. what it's about. And yet, other people will be they'll write stuff which is like very overt, and and everybody knows that it's about it's yep. about them. Mm-hmm. There's very different ways to 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 approach that. Mm-hmm. I think what I do is I borrow from just so I try to borrow from a whole bunch of different places, mm-hmm. so it becomes a little a little less obvious. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. just like every day, there's just so much <laughs> inspiration. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you just just in terms of like finding that everyday inspiration? Are you are you a headphones in person or a headphones out person? Usually, yeah. I have those. I have those like Marshall headphones. I put yes, them on, yeah. and sometimes sometimes what I do is I just pull one back, so one of my ears is exposed mm-hmm. to the world, yeah, and then one yeah. of them has music on. Mm. That's my favorite. I find I find as an introvert sometimes the headphones are my coping mechanism. Yeah. You know, um, if I'm riding a crowded subway or something like that, it's just the sounds of everybody else just becomes too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, sometimes as a writer, I'm sort of berating myself that I should be listening to the world and right. things like that. It's hard to hard to find the balance between the two sometimes. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes <laughs> it's just too much. Yeah. Or there's yeah. something, I don't know if you find this, like there's something in my head, a thought mm-hmm. I have to work through. Mm-hmm. And actually music helps with that. Because for me, I actually write with music playing often. Uh, what kind of music? Because I write with music, but mm-hmm. it ha- can't have lyrics in it. Usually it does have lyrics okay. for me. And I okay. don't hear them. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, hmm. Interesting. Because yeah. for me, if there are lyrics, that's what I listen to. Like, right. 
I can't passively listen if there are lyrics. Yes. Which is a strange thing. Is that sort of like classical music or what kind of music? Um, some, Like I have all kinds of playlists of different things, modern mm-hmm. classical, old classical. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, uh, the Vitamin String Quartet is a great source of, mm. of violin covers of modern songs. Oh. Just sort of mm-hmm. be there. So uh, there's all, I have all kinds of writing playlists that uh. are just like different kinds of instrumental music. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes mu- movie soundtracks, unless I've seen the movie. Right. Because then I picture what happened in the movie. And oh that's wow! Bad. Yeah. No. That. Yeah. That could be confusing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I try to. I try to like. If as soon as I've seen a movie, that that can't be a writing playlist. Mm. But until then, because there can be anything mm-hmm. in that music. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's true. Um, I didn't. I, I didn't ask about the the fringe shows that you that you did yeah. previously. Um, so what was the one that you were that you were in? That was yeah, that was the first summer uh, just out of theater school, and it was an adaptation of uh, Chekhov's untitled play, mm-hmm. Platonov is what it's sometimes mm-hmm. called. And uh, Patrick and I at that time still are interested in just what, what we call queering plays. Okay. So it's partially gender swapped, mm-hmm. um, just more, uh, le- just kind of experimenting with with being more gender fluid mm-hmm. and. Um, so we six of the characters were ended up being gender swapped, mm-hmm. and uh, I played I played the lead in that show actually, okay. uh, which was too many jobs. But <laughs> but that that character was uh, yeah no it was something that it felt right for me to play. Well, early in one's self producing career, you usually make that mistake of doing too many jobs. <laughs> I can do everything. Yeah yeah. yeah. Um, uh, sure, I can write, produce, and act in it. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah, that was yep, that was it. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, what was. Uh, what did you learn from that? Well, aside from it's too much. Also, that it's possible. Yeah. We, we it was possible. Yeah. Uh, partially because we were just like fresh out of theater school and everyone wanted to do it and right. it, everyone like just was so happy to have that to work on. Mm-hmm. And it was also a real passion project. Yeah. I, the play was was pretty cool. I think uh, there wasn't you know it was it was a fringe show. It was mm-hmm. messy and put together. You know, we put it together in different like basement rehearsal spaces and you know in a fairly expedited rehearsal process, but. Uh, but there were things we we were exploring there that mattered to us, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. uh, people responded to. Nice, yeah. Nice. Just social, you know, putting social politics on a stage, but in like a fun way. Yeah. And what was the one from this past summer? That was a version. So I had after writing that one, the adaptation of that Chekhov play. There were I wanted to do the Seagull. I don't remember exactly okay. how it started, but I wanted to adapt the Seagull. Mm-hmm which is a much more well-known play. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, also a movie came out of it at around the same time. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't very good. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, yeah, so I got ideas for that, and I wrote that right after we mm-hmm. closed the French show, basically, that, that summer, the first French mm-hmm. show. And then I also started to get ideas for a Vanya adaptation, which I'm working on now. Okay. We might do it in the summer. Nice. I'm not sure yet. But, yeah, so it was a seagull adaptation with six people. Okay. So reduced the cast of fifteen, reduced to six, yeah. and an hour long. What's what's your process of adapting? Like, how do you go about adapting these plays, especially ones that are relatively well known? Yeah, yeah. With the seagull, I mean, I I really like shortened that story. It really just revolved around six characters in certain situations of that play, mm-hmm. and I had seen the seagull enough that I just started to write. Um, my versions of those scenes. Mm-hmm. Again, some characters were, were were gender swapped, and I sort of took liberties with where the story went mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, so it was it was really just like reimagining some of those dynamics, but in a contemporary mm-hmm. setting. Um, yeah. How much did you rely on the source material? Or I hardly you... went back to okay. it. Hmm. 
Yeah. A little, like a little bit at the start. Mm. Yeah. Chekhov, um, oh, just something, uh, the situations between people, some, some of those relationships are so contemporary yeah. and it really, the good plays are only a hundred years old. Yeah. It's, it's so hard because I think that a lot of people don't know, a lot of modern people don't know what to make of Chekhov. Yeah. Um, it's especially so- when people are like, well, Chekhov always said that his plays were comedies. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the play and you're like, this is a comedy. But they are. <laughs> they it's, are. It's sometimes hard to see it, right? <laughs> yeah. Because it's very Russian. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, did, do you find, did, are you looking at them as comedies or are you looking at them in the tragic stories? Or yeah. Like dark yeah. comedies. Like, yeah. you know, we're all going to die anyway. That, yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of, that okay. sort of attitude to yeah. me is very, like, I'm not even a millennial. I'm, I'm the next one, whatever generation. I don't remember. Everybody which just lumps millennials into everything. Yeah. Now. But yeah. I would be called a millennial by mm-hmm. most people. But anyway, that it's very much the attitude of people my age mm. where, where there's um sort of a, um, a, a, just a taste of hopelessness about things. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is which is how uh, how I I read those Chekhov characters. Yeah. What interests you about Vanya? Ooh, not much happens in that play. <laughs> there are just a few characters that I think are beautiful, mm. like the doctor character, mm-hmm. um, the y- Yelena or Yelena character. Uh, she's sort of just idle. She's there, and everyone yeah. loves her, and she's not doing anything. And Vanya as a character too interests me. And then the young woman who um, is in love with the doctor. So mm-hmm. those are the four who are going to be in the Vanya yeah. adaptation, I write. Just the four of them. Um, I think all all four of them as characters I love. I don't really know who they all are yet because I'm, right. I'm really just like maybe a fourth of the way through uh, mm-hmm. writing this. And it's coming together in pieces. But, uh, yep, it's really, really very much about those people. Mm. What I mean when you're when you I mean you're still early stages in this. How what's the process of deciding who's going to be in it and 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 how you're going to tell their stories? Mm. What's the Do you writing mean casting? Process? No, just like the writing process. I can't remember how. Oh, actually, during during Bird Killer, which was the the Seagull adaptation, I remember before going to see the play, sitting in a, sitting in a cafe, and I went. I started thinking about Vanya mm. and just writing writing all the combinations and even the what the genders could be of these yeah. characters and yeah. what it would do for and I have like I had like 10 or maybe less but like eight different versions of of how the characters kind of fit hmm. together hmm. because I, I'm interested in what it means if if this character is is still a man and this character is also a man and right. um yeah just what what it would do in terms of uh gender politics right now hmm. what is it that draws you to querying these plays I just If that's not too personal a question, I'm just curious about that. Yeah, that's something Patrick and I are both really interested mm. in and have been for uh since knowing each other. Our first project together was a version of Hamlet where we just took Hamlet and Ophelia's text mm-hmm. out and then re- wrote in some in between. We made it's like a play about the relationship and okay. Patrick played Ophelia and I played Hamlet. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been playing like male roles a okay. lot since <laughs> since graduating and um and Patrick uh really wanted to play Ophelia, mm. explore okay. that feminine um archetype hmm. uh back to your question yeah. yeah it just seems like something if we're gonna ad- adapt stuff hmm. that seems like a useful thing to do with those classical plays right sure. now because sure. because we can recognize the stories and we realize stuff about the original maybe it was like oh hamlet was an asshole i didn't notice yeah, yeah. because hamlet was a guy but when hamlet's a woman like not to be you know extreme but but kind no, of yeah. like that's literally what someone said when they saw our play yeah. they're like i yeah, didn't yeah. know Ophelia, like, Hamlet was so hard on Ophelia. Mm, interesting. It's the same words, but just having me say it to Patrick. Yeah. 
Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So that, and then when when we heard when we heard that, we went, "Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Let's let's do that more." Hmm. And not, and it's not in a way that's shaming anyone. Mm-hmm. Just just raising questions. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Is there something about um, the uh, uh, the cannibal? And I'm super curious about why it's called the cannibal, but I'm yeah. not asking about that because I assume that that's it will be answered. It will be answered yes. in the play. Um, <laughs> Is there something that you're most looking forward to when you get to present it to an audience? I'm really wondering when they're going to laugh. Because a lot of it is quite funny. All the characters Mm. have really uh, uh, funny moments. Um, Mm. But it's also, there's also just so much stuff that's happening that is awful. (laughs) Awful between people and and situationally. And um, the stakes are are extreme. So, yeah, it really is this, like, Greek... Greek circumstances mm. met with very contemporary, uh, very contemporary setting. Awesome, awesome. Mm. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It's thank been great. you, Phil. Thanks. This has been a Homebody Productions production.